All right, uh, welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is Luke Dusenberry. If you have seen Go Hunt's Hard Times or Nothing But Daylight or Luke Holds River's Bend, you're familiar with uh, his work. Uh, thanks for being on here, Luke. Jeff, thanks for having me, man. So um, I didn't know that uh, I was listening to the podcast, uh, the Go Hunt podcast uh, that was recapping Hard Times that you did. I didn't know that you did the Nothing But Daylight Caribou Go Hunt uh, film as well. That was a That was a great one. I really liked that one a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the funnest hunts for sure I've ever been on. Um, that was back in 2021. Um, we went kind of like mid to late August. Um, and it was just a really, really fun time. So that was right as we were kind of coming out of COVID and you'd mentioned, uh, we talked very briefly that, uh, at when you were in high school, you were positioning yourself to maybe become a teacher at some point or did that start to happen uh, after high school yeah so it's funny you mentioned that i so let's see in high school i really was into baseball that was kind of like my number one passion in life and it like doing all my like school classes and stuff i went to a small private school in medford oregon and my favorite classes were history and like every i swear every single history teacher i had was just like the coolest guy just made it super fun to learn. And I don't know, I just, it was like a huge, like passion for me early on in school and just having like those, those teachers, um, you know, just as I was growing up and through middle school and high school, especially, I was just like, I don't know, I could kind of see myself being like, you know, just like the cool chill history, you know, teacher or whatever, just cause I, I liked the, the subject obviously, but I also loved just like the, you know, how important it is for shaping your worldview. Um, especially with like everything going on in the world right now. Like I just think history is so valuable and just having like such a good foundation is important, whether you're, you know, going to school to be a teacher or whether you're going to school to be like a nurse or, or, you know, or a trade school or whatever. Like, I think it's just such an important foundation to have, um, you know, just having a solid foundation in history, both American history, um, but also just like world history in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like when I when I talk to creatives and, and people on the podcast, I like to ask who they were when high, in high school, because it seems like very few people know exactly what they want to do when they're in high school. But there's something that that flickers or some sort of interest or some sort of thing that they can they can look back on and say, that was the thing that led me down this pathway. And yeah. maybe it wasn't that, uh, you know, I wanted to do this exactly, but I remember conversation, I remember thinking, I remember something, and that was really insightful. And it kind of reminds me as a teacher to, you know, just look for those opportunities to help fuel some sort of other passion. So it's not going to be about English. There's no, no kid I ever teach has become an English teacher or taught has become an English teacher. A couple have become journalists, but um, looking for that and be able to feed that and, and present this in a way that says, Hey, this is how it's going to be relatable. This is how it's going to be beneficial. Cause that's usually the big thing. It's how is this going to relate to my life later on? And a lot of times it can be a difficult thing for a teacher to, to explain. Mm -hmm. Was there totally. like a, a moment? Um, you mentioned the history stuff, but was there like a moment where you thought, man, this is, this is what I want to kind of want to want to do with my life. Yeah. I'd say, to be honest, in high school, not really. Um, but looking back, you know, with hindsight, there I definitely saw some small seeds that were planted. Um, like, for example, I'm, in one of my Bible classes, I think in ninth grade, we had the opportunity. We, we, we were doing a group project, and we had the opportunity to, like, do, like, you know, a standard, like, presentation, like, three to four minutes, or, you know, do, like, an essay, or do, like, a video. 
And I remember me and my best friends were always just trying to do the least, I felt like, <laughs> you know, on certain group projects. And so we're like, oh, we'll do a video. That sounds kind of fun. And I remember we had like, it was a back in the day when you had the tapes on the handy, handy cams and you had to like record the tape and then have the firewire into the computer and then like basically screen record from the camera. It was like, we didn't really know what we were getting into. <laughs> we thought, oh, we'll just do like a, a little video about David and Goliath and that'll be that. Um, but basically we, we did that and I, I really realized I'm like, oh, it's like kind of fun to like put a story together, you know, plan out like scenes and, you know, the whole, the whole shebang. And so like, I, I look back at a couple of those little video projects. Another one I did was for an anatomy class. So we did on the, I can't remember the, the three, basically the three parts of the ear, like the cochlea, the hammer or anvil and the stirrup. I can't, I can't fully remember, but we did like a video about the, the ear and how the ear does so much more than just hearing. It's so important with like balance and all these other things. And I remember we did like a, a 15 minute video on it and it was just like me and my best friends. And my, my teacher gave us a hundred percent. Like he loved it. Like, and we watched in front of the whole class and nice. I look back on that and I was like, you know, at the time I was like, Oh, this is like hilarious and fun. But I didn't think like super long term about it. I was just like, mm -hmm. Oh, that was like a really fun thing. And I remember like, you know, editing it and, putting it all together and just like loving the whole process. And I mean, I look back at that video now, it's actually on my, the very deepest recesses of my YouTube channel, <laughs> I think still. And uh, I still, you know, laugh occasionally and we'll pull it up and we'll give it a watch. But yeah, I don't know. I look back at those and definitely see the seeds. But at the time I was just like, so focused on, you know, baseball and friends and, you know, just, you know, all the things mm -hmm. in you know, in high school that you got going on, I just didn't really see it as like a viable, like, you know, even really dream. I was just like, ah, I should, you know, go to school and get a degree and just get like a normal job. Like nothing, nothing too like creative was like truly a, like, I didn't have my sights on anything truly in the creative sphere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To really extend that metaphor, um, about, about planting the seed, like it takes a long time for a seed to become a, a tree or a flower or whatever, you know, people think that all of a sudden, oh, you just, all of a sudden started making films for go hunt. Like there was no, yeah. I decided to do it. And then I just, sure. Hey man, this, this guy, Luke contacted me and he wants to make films. So sure. We'll pay your way to, to go to the, uh, to the, go to the Arctic to shoot caribou. Like it takes time and a process. And I guess it's underground for a while too, before it really starts to happen. Uh, you mentioned your yep. YouTube channel. How often do you go back and look at some of those old things? it can be kind of embarrassing. I, I, I compiled a book with some of my older oh, yeah. writing and I'm looking at some of my old columns. I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you wrote that. You're such a better writer now. And sometimes the ideas were kind of there things that I tried and it's, Oh gosh, kind of cringeworthy. How often do you go back and look at your improvement? Oh, I'd say like probably I, I try and go back a little bit, like maybe like once every six months or at least once a year. Um, and I like having like my old work up, you know, just, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't believe, believe in like just only having like your best foot forward. Like if you scrolled on my Instagram, all you could go all the way back to high school and see just like the dumbest photos. <laughs> I, I don't know. just like, or like my very early like photos I took with like a GoPro and like how I edited when I first got Lightroom. Like, just like, I like being able to go back and just not only see for myself, but also maybe like have, you know, have available online for people to also see like, Oh, like, that's how he, like, that's where he started off or whatever. And maybe that's like, you know, I could be like a good example or, 
you know, because like that's the thing too. Like people only see like the highlight reel, you know. Like people don't see the the years and years and years of you know trial and error and figuring things out and you know just doing things because you love it. And then all of a sudden, yeah, like you can you know maybe do something on the side with your with your hobby or your passion, or maybe it can you know if you know if it all works out, be a, a full time thing. But mm-hmm. so as you're getting better, who was inspiring you or, or what were you inspired by? Was it, uh, uh, outdoor filming? Like I know a lot of people, it doesn't have to be the exact same genre. You can learn about good writing from someone who doesn't write the same genre. So were you watching like a film, like a movie, 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 Hollywood movie and think, Oh, that's a cool shot that I can maybe incorporate into my outdoor filmmaking. Uh, what was in, inspiring you to help you get better? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a hard question. Um, I'll do my best to answer it. I would say I kind of drew a lot of inspiration from a lot of different things. Um, but namely like I got a GoPro that was like my first real camera that I would consider like it being like fully my own. I didn't borrow like my mom's or my aunt's or whatever. Like I got a GoPro when I was 20 and that was in 2015. And basically I just kind of took that and was just trying to like learn, Oh yeah. How do I take a photo with like this crazy wide angle lens and, you know, just learning all the different settings on it. Cause like those early GoPros, you could have some sort of manipulation of like manual settings and stuff. And just trying to get a grasp on those, on those things. And just basically just trial and error uh, and just really trying to like go all in with that. And then right when I got that, that's when GoPro was like really pumping out these like incredible, like, you know, they're basically like their hype videos for their newest camera. Um, so you can go back and watch like the hero three launch video. That's probably, probably like the first real video I saw where I was like, Oh my word, this is like what I want to do. Um, which it sounds crazy. Cause that's like not what I'm doing at all right now <laughs> <laughs> because, um, you know, cause it's like dudes like surfing and like jumping out of planes and going underwater. And I was like, this is incredible. Like this little camera can do so much. And then they use like really cool songs and it just made it feel like, like the you watch the video and you got like this feel from it and that was the first time i really had you know got the outside of like maybe like watching like lord of the rings or something because that's like that's the only thing i would say like just like watching some like really high-end movies i've always you know just loved movies and um that's something i've always like have tried to draw inspiration from too just like how do they craft a story how do they build you know a scene and that kind of thing and so i I'm still a huge movie buff now. Um, Lord of the Rings is still my favorite movie. I try and watch it at least once a year. Um, but yeah, just trying to get inspiration from a lot of different things. And then um, one thing I actually kind of going back to the whole like early seeds of, of like creative passion um, that you had kind of were talking about. Um, I was talking to my wife actually about like when I was a kid, I like always have loved music, um, especially like music videos. And I know some people like don't like music videos because it like ruins a song for them. But for me, like from a young age, I like love the visual aspect of like the music video, whether it's like the performance side of it or the story that the director was trying to tell with the the song and, you know, the band and all that stuff. Um, But I remember like coming home from school, like every day, like middle school, high school and just watching like the Christian music video channel and just like and a lot of it would just be reruns, you know, like the top 10 music videos of the week or the month or whatever. Uh, but I remember just watching those as a kid and just like, you know, loving it, number one, for the music, but also subliminally. And at the time, I didn't really realize it, but just like loving the visual side of it and just getting inspired from from that as well. Just like, you know, like I said, subliminally, I wasn't thinking like, 
oh, I'm watching this because I want to do this. Like it was just like, ah, oh, this is really cool. Mm-hmm. That's kind of mm-hmm. that's kind of more how it started. But but yeah, yeah. I think when you pay attention, you absorb a lot of different things. And being inspired doesn't have to come from the exact person that is doing what you want to do. I think a lot of people are mm-hmm. listening to a lot of. Um, I guess Joe Rogan is an example when he has a lot of these high performing people in their fields, you just get motivated by something. I'm not going to run like David Goggins. That's not the point, you know, or, or, you know, whoever else that, uh, that he has on there, you're just inspired by people who are getting after it. And so you can watch mm-hmm. a, 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 I'm not going to jump out of a, an airplane in a Red Bull suit at, with a GoPro on my head. And I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But there's something that yeah, I can here. think, <laughs> yeah, how can I live my life in a way that's going to be fulfilling? You know, I'm not, a, I'm not a mm-hmm. um, adrenaline junkie in that regard, you know, but how can I, how can I get after it? Um, I did make a note about the music in, um, in your films. Sometimes it seems like some videos, and this is not to just because I don't like something doesn't mean that it's, that it's bad or anything, but um, mm-hmm. some videos or some films, it seems like the music is just put in there like it oh, this will work or it's like a background thing mm-hmm. but it, as as you know the lord of the rings soundtrack is epic and it provides yeah. so much to the storytelling so i think when you're watching a film it shows that someone has taken music and made it more like hey this is going to be i guess it's kind of over dramatizing it but this is the score that goes with this film and it's going to match the film it's not just going to be mm-hmm. some stock something that goes in there it's just uh, some background noise after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers if we've learned anything it's that there's always a catch so when i first heard that mint mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month i thought what's the catch but after talking to them and using their service it all made sense there isn't one Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That is mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Yeah, just filler, you know. Um, yeah, like whenever I am putting together like a like a hunting film or or what have you, I try and pick the music almost before I even start really getting into the edit of it. Just cause I, especially if I've, it's a, a film that I've, you know, captured and I was in the field and I w- was there experiencing all the highs and lows and, and everything. Like it's a lot easier for me to kind of like piece together the different, basically like chapters or scenes. And then I'll just go and scroll through the various music licensing um, websites, like art list and what have you, and just start listening and be like, Oh, that's like, 
you know, I kind of like envision like a little atmosphere music here or, you know, how can I like maybe put a creative spin on, you know, the climax where we, you know, find the animal and make the stock and, and, and kill it. Um, like how can I like tell that story like that best is the number one, most authentic way to tell it, but also just like, you know, make you really feel like you're, you're sitting there waiting, you know, or, and, you know, build that suspense up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like, you know, finding stuff like that, or if there's like, you know, like a really cool, like, you know, hype type scene of just like really cool, fast paced shots, like what song or, or, or music could go with that or, you know, and then basically it's just like, it's kind of like, you know, you're trying, I view it as like, you're trying to weave that, that music and sound and atmosphere. Um, I, I like trying to do that before I even start editing it. Mm-hmm. My dad was a music teacher. And so there would always be like epic classical music being uh, played at home and he would point out certain things. And I remember the NBC song uh, for NBC Nightly News. I think it was NBC Nightly News. But it was like this epic sort of, and my my dad just loved it. And I was like, why does he love this so much? And so again, it's that kind of the planting the seed and then you understand why and it kind of becomes the soundtrack and certain elements come out in your daily life when you were out there filming are you thinking about music as it's going or do you have to wait until the hunt is over to then apply music to it because i'm assuming that you could probably get some like gladiator theme song playing in your head when you're doing some of these hunts yeah yeah no i i i don't know i always have music kind of going through my head when i'm out there especially or if we're having a like long pack out i like to play some music um just to kind of help you know get my mind off the physical exertion but um yeah i typically i typically don't like really deep dive into music until i get back um occasionally i'll I'll, when i'm out there i'll take some notes on my phone just like on my notes app and just be like you know this like this clip number would be great for this type of you know scene or or what have you or like this was what i was thinking you know as i was going through that or like you know like oh like i really need to have like this little sound bite of like so like the hunter saying this sentence you know like that's got to be that's got to be in there i'll take a little note like that um but yeah i just uh i don't know just try and i don't know just try and be like not only just like filming it but like thinking like you know for the edit as well i think is super super important when you're out there Mm -hmm. have you ever had a difficult time staying focused on the story that's being told rather than the one that you might have gone in there with as a, as a column writer, I sometimes as I'm, I'm out there and I'm experiencing something and I want the story to go this way, but the story ends up being something somewhere else. And so if I don't allow the story that happened to be the one that I write, there's kind of this tug of war between what I wanted it to be and what it actually was. You have to get over that. Was there, is there ever, have you, are you totally past that? Is that something you still kind of deal with? Oh no, I still deal with that. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it's uh, much harder if it, uh, you know, just from the nature of hunting, like if the story doesn't really go how I envisioned it or, or how I, I wanted it to go when I was out there capturing it, it's definitely makes it harder for me to, um, to, to, you know, get the motivation to, to edit it. When I'm just like, dang, like, you know, it just didn't really, like we had all the pieces on the puzzle and then we hit the trailhead and just, it just didn't pan out. Um, but that's something I've been really trying to like improve on and like, surrender my myself to be like hey you know i can't i can't go out there and expect every hunt film to be for example like river's bend which i i think is probably like in terms of like the whole story and everything i think that's my favorite hunt film i've ever done because it was just such a unique 
thing that happened with me and John Gabriel on that hunt and just, um, just being out there with him. It just, it was one of the hunts, that, one of the first hunts I've ever done was just me and one hunter. Like usually mm-hmm. it was before that, it was just, I was filming two guys or sometimes more, but it was a unique thing where it was just him and I out there. And, um, just to have the hunt go down the way it did with, you know, the elk in the river and just like, it's just something you'd like dream of, um, you know, just, and then taking that. And then my next hunt was like, where we got skunked and I was like, <laughs> Oh my goodness. Like Going from like the highest high in terms of like, as a hunt filmer to like a hunt where it's like, we didn't get anything. It's like, Oh my goodness. And then, but that's just, that's just life. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like l- letting that just be like, all right, well I've got to, you know, you know, I can't let that get me down. I've just got to only worry about just, just like how the hunter can only wor- worry about what he can control, which is his attitude and his effort. I got to do the same thing with the storytelling aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just go from there and yeah. don't let it get me down. What would you say to someone who maybe has this sense of urgency and they really want this story to be something because this is the hunt that they're going to make it happen and they're going to have the footage and this film is going to put them on the map. Um, and in that, that might lead to some of the shock value, um, got to get clicks sort of attitude that has, you know, it's, it's already kind of infiltrated. It's always been kind of a part of it, but how would you, what would you recommend to someone who's, tempted by taking that shock value route rather than just present the story yeah i would say um i mean odds are if you're really trying to do that and you're really passionate about hunting it's probably not the only hunt you're going to go on in your lifetime and if you go on a hunt that doesn't have the shock value doesn't have the you know the oh my goodness type factor of you know what your envisioning was like just put the story together as authentically as what happened and just try and hope for the next one that that maybe has that, you know, incredible story or that incredible, like, did you see that? Or like, you know, just whatever, I would just say like, don't try and make something like beyond what it really was. Like, I think that's something that's really important too, is like someone who's telling the story of a hunt, like, you know, just tell it how exactly how it was and just let the pieces fall. Um, and then even when you're out there too, like I've been on several hunts where it's like day eight and we've barely seen like a deer bigger than a two by three, you know, and you're just already in your head, like talking to yourself, like, oh man, this isn't going to be a good film, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Like, you know, you start like kind of talking yourself down. You're just like stressing yourself out when you really should just be out there just worrying about like, okay, let's just go one more ridge or let's just try this or, you know, not get discouraged or you know, like I, I think just really trying to not listen to that little voice that's always trying to spread self doubt. Um, cause like to use an example, like that exact hunt where we only had seen like a three point in eight days, um, was, uh, I think it was, what was the name of it? I think it was good times, um, with Chris Neville, um, another go hunt film, uh, from a few years ago, but we had just got our butts kicked. We were hunting public land in Montana and just, you know, driving all over the state was what it felt like and just couldn't couldn't find a buck and then on day nine when like almost all hope seemed lost like we just found a giant and made a really good stock and got within 200 yards and chris made a perfect shot like and then that's like a hunt i look back on i'm just like i've got to remember that you know like because that's the thing is just like every hunt's so different and you just can't let one sour hunt you know just be like oh well this is a complete loss um 
and if for example going back to what you're saying like if you know the client or the hunter is just has these massive expectations i think just trying to communicate like hey this is how it went down this is like a you know this happened on the hunt that happened on the hunt that was out of my control or you know or what have you i think just communicating that's really really important um and a, a lot of clients you know they've been doing this for a long time too and they're they know they know that's part of the nature of of filming a hunt and you know you just kind of roll with it and i really do think no matter what happens on a hunt there's always a story to be told mm -hmm. so you've I, I would assume based on what you've done you you've shot um You've been to Africa and you film uh, fishing trips and you've done some of the the biggest uh, films in uh, um, in Western hunting to date. I think you could probably take whatever job that you want. When someone does come to you with a job or with a proposal, do you uh, are there certain standards that you go with? Or are you pretty in with uh, with anybody that that you want to work with? What um, what is it like when people come and they're pitching you ideas? Um, that's a really good question. I would, uh, at, at this point, um, I still feel like I have so much to learn and that's like one of my favorite parts about, um, what it is that I, I do for work. I just, I feel like I'm always, you know, trying to learn like more about hunting, but also just like, how can I film this better? And I don't think I'll ever get to the point where it's like, oh, I know exactly how to do what I'm doing. Like, I think that's one thing, like, I try and tell people is like always be like a student of the game, like always be learning, always, you know, you know, just try like trying new things, trying a new piece of gear, trying, you know, a new filming technique, trying a new audio technique, like because that's another thing that gets kind of super overlooked. And going back to the whole music thing is just like the infield audio, in my opinion, is such an overlooked thing because I see guys who will go out and buy like an expensive full frame mirrorless camera and you know, I'll just be like, oh, well, now, now I can make hunting films. And it's like, well, what's the mic setup you got? Like, what, what are you doing for audio? Because your brain actually processes audio before the visual um, when you're taking in media or, or you know, just, just li like being a human. Like, you're, for whatever reason, your ears take in information faster than your eyes do, even though, the, you know, visually, your eyes are getting things at the speed of light. Um, so just like little things like that, just like always trying to challenge myself to be um, a better filmmaker and, and story taker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a difference between someone who can take pictures, but that doesn't mean that everybody who can take pictures is a photographer. Um, and mm -hmm. I think it would go at least double, if not triple that with uh, filmmaking. You can record something, but that's not filmmaking. That's way, way different. Yeah. Um, when I was uh, second or third year teaching, um, like the greatest band I had ever known was this 60 some year old teacher. He was six foot six. He played in the NBA for like, you know, two games for the blaze trailblazers in the seventies or something like that. And I remember him saying, um, I'm still learning how to be a good man. And I'm thinking what in the world? Like you're in your sixties. Like, how can oh, yeah. you, how can you still, but it made, it made sense later, you know, when you're 22, it's like, once you figure it out, then you can kind of just coast. I would just want to figure out how to be a teacher. But then you realize that mm -hmm. everything is a, an entire process and the context always changes. And because the context always changes, that means you always have to learn and grow, but then you're better prepared to make that next step. And that, that growth mindset that it's not that it's unachievable and you can't attain perfection. And so it's this, it's not sad. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's motivating to go forward with that. 
Yeah, I think it's a. I think it could be a dangerous place if you you're in a place where you think you got it all figured out. Um, doesn't matter what it is. It could be with hunting, or it could be with your you know your nine to five job, um, your relationship with your spouse, like you know anything like that. Like yeah, I really think every day you got, you have choices to make. You have things to learn on, things to improve on. We're all human. Um, I think it's a really dangerous thing to think that you got it all figured out. Mm. So going back to the teaching thing, so it's it's 2001. You're you're a filmmaker. You're up in Alaska, and we're just coming out of COVID. Did you ever think during the COVID time, like, man, thank goodness I didn't become a teacher? <laughs> That's funny you mentioned that. Um, I would say before, even before COVID, I was like, man, I am so thankful um, <laughs> that I'm you know doing what I'm doing because I've been I haven't been filming hunts since 2018, um, and I just at that point in my life, when I decided to forego teaching and, and start, you know, trying to do stuff with the photo video industry, I, my mindset was just like, you know what, I can always go back and be a teacher. Um, and I still have like, at the time I still had like a passion for, it. like I, I enjoyed like student teaching and, um, the material and everything, but I was just like, I just had this other passion of photography that was just like, literally had a grip on my heart. And I was like, dude, I've just gotta, I've gotta go for it and crash and burn. And just like maybe then at that point, just be like, all right, well, I did that. I gave it my all. It just wasn't what the Lord had for my life. And I'm going to try and go back to school and finish my teaching degree. You know, kind of a thing like that was just kind of my mindset. I was just like, no matter what I do, it's a win. So why not just go for it and see what happens? So, yeah, that was back. That was back in summer of 2018. Um, but yeah, then to fast forward to COVID. And just seeing all the things that my mom had to deal with as a secretary um, at the school district and um, just like all the the craziness that COVID brought. I was like, I was definitely like, man, I am so glad I don't have to worry about wearing a mask at the job (laughs) or, you know, all the things that she was having to deal with. And I was like, yeah, I get to go outside and breathe fresh air and uh, just be, you know, doing what I love to do with guys that I, I love you know, also let do, love doing what they're doing and um, just get to fellowship and hang out with them. And yeah, extremely, extremely grateful that I just, you know, wasn't, I didn't have to make some of the decisions that some of those folks had to make. Yeah. It definitely brought out the worst in all of us because you had the different groups yeah. and I, we don't even have to go into that, but it was interesting that, and this is maybe, maybe because I'm, I'm here in Ketchikan, Alaska, but it allowed a lot of kids to, build resilience. We talked a lot Mm -hmm. about resilience, but you know, a lot of kids I'm seeing that that they definitely did build it and they had to decide whether or not they value their education or whether or not they were going to just kind of jump through the hoops and not do the zooms and not care and use that as an excuse. But, um, it also revealed just the importance of that outside life and and a couple Mm -hmm. students who, when we were at our 50% capacity on their Fridays, we didn't meet in person. Um, it was just a zoom office hours and so many kids would go, well, not so many, I guess, but it seemed like a lot of kids were out hunting on Fridays. Cause I'm in there at my uh, zoom office hours that no kids are showing up to, but I'm hearing that, you know, this kid is out hunting and this kid's out hunting and this kid's out hunting. I'm like, what a great empowering way to deal with the weird stuff that's going on by going out there, going deer hunting with some buddies or going deer hunting with your, with your family. And then being mm-hmm. able to bring something back. And I thought, man, that's, that is great. And the people who made it through the best had, had memories of those where, where they got closer to the family and they 
realized what was important and it was it's really cool and i'm very thankful and grateful i was in a place like ketchikan during that because even though it was horrible it made me wonder if i wanted to keep teaching um it's also yeah. brought forth some some definite value um and just the closeness with the with the students who kind of got through it together with and mm -hmm. man it was it was pretty rewarding but yeah it was um I definitely see why people in different areas uh, got out for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, it was really the biggest trial, you know, our generation has ever faced. And like with any trial, trials bring about refining. And I think, I mean, looking back just in my life, I'm super grateful for that, that time. Cause it forced me in my own ways, in my own circles of, you know, influence and you know, what I had going on to really like refine and, and have to think about things from an angle I'd never thought about things before um, and have discussions I'd never had before and really have to, you know, go to the drawing board about some things in my life. So I'm just mm -hmm. looking back on that season. I'm just super grateful. Um, obviously there was tragedy and, and things, but for me, it really helped refine a lot of things in my life. Yeah. So what's, uh, what's next? What do you got on the horizon? Oh man. Um, well, currently I'm here on the East coast, um, doing a big stint for filming, uh, for the sport fishing championship, which is a, um, offshore fishing TV show on CBS sports network. Um, and I've been doing that for the last two summers and it's been super fun. Um, I'm a part of a, a really awesome team of photographers, videographers, and producers, and I'm just learning a ton. Um, I've never, you know, I grew up in Oregon, so sport fishing was not something I'd ever really had a taste of. And um, it's just, it's largely like a East coast thing. There are some, you know, down in California and Mexico. Um, but it's something I had never had any exposure to really. Um, but really the, what I love about it is just working with the team of people that I'm working with and just learning from them of how to produce a, a show that's, you know, being live streamed on TV. Um, as far as I know, I think we are the first TV show that's being live streamed from the ocean. Hmm. Um, all thanks to Starlink, which is just crazy. Um, so we're figuring out that and it's just a really, it's just a really cool thing to learn. Um, and just add to my tool belt of, you know, just things that I, I've learned from just working with these guys and gals and, um, that I hope can translate into another aspect of, um, my career or my job. And, um, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of doing a lot of different things, um, with photography and video. If, if someone is, interested in it um just because you never know what can translate into another um sphere um so that's that's how i kind of look at it is just like you know just trying to be a sponge and, and just always be learning something new whether that's you know how starlink works on a boat you know or mm -hmm. um just how to how to do live broadcasting with certain types of cameras that are built for that and you know just all the different tools um it's just you know that's it's just a huge passion of mine mm-hmm Outside of that, what would you recommend to someone who is, like you, you mentioned, that it, everything is a, it's something that you can potentially learn from? What else would you recommend someone who's uh, in the creative space, not necessarily uh, making films, but uh, what would you recommend for them? Um, one thing, whenever like a a younger guy in, in in you know who wants to get in the industry or you know is just looking to get a camera and start shooting with it, um, I, one thing I always you know, just lean heavily on is just it never hurts to ask, like whether that's, you know, to, to shoot for a company or to shoot with someone um, or to take a, even if you're just walking the street and you just see, you see someone and, you know, it just sticks out and you just be like, man, I want to take a picture of them or, or that or 
or, you know, just you're on a hike with some friends and you just see something that catches your eye and you say, Hey guys, can you stop for a second? I just want to get, take like a group shot or a photo of this, you know, valley or, or whatever. I just think, um, it just never hurts to ask. That's something I, I really lean on because that's something that I look back on my career and some of the things that I've had the opportunity to do. And it was just a simple DM a lot of times or a simple email to, you know, hello at such and such.com. Just like the, the most generic email, you know, just, you never know that email could get trickled down to, you know, the person that you're trying to get in, in touch with. Um, mm. You just, you just truly never know. And, if that doesn't happen, if you don't hear back from, or if you hear say no, or if they say no, you're right back where you were. Yeah. Um, so I'm just a huge, huge advocate of that. Um, and also just being an open book um, about the, the creative process because, you know, it's the creative process is such a difficult thing, especially like for filming a hunt. Um, there's just so many, you know, things you just have to figure out really by almost tripping in the dark sometimes. Um, so just trying to help other people out and then, cause you're going to have things that you're going to have questions about. And, you know, I, I ask a lot of different guys in my circle all the time is like, Hey, what do you think about such and such gear or such and such, you know, you know, philosophy about capturing this or that. And like, I don't know, we're all just trying to, you know, you know, iron sharpens iron, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. I, I think just being an open book and just trying to help people out. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, uh, what else you got for, for a closer? I appreciate the, uh, the time. I, uh, appreciate, uh, you l- answering the, the, the DM that I sent you on Instagram. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Def- yeah. Thank you for having me on, man. Um, but yeah, I would say just this fall, I'm really excited about this fall. Um, got a lot of hunts lined up, probably the most I've ever had ever, um, for a fall. I think I've got about seven, seven or eight. Um, but yeah, I'm really, and each one I'm just really, really excited about. Um, just from the species we're going after the type of hunt, um, just all, all across the board, I'm looking at my calendar and just like, dang, I cannot wait for August 30th to roll around. (laughs) Are these all films or are you also hunting? Um, I will be filming predominantly all of them. Um, I do have a little bit of time set aside in September, um, kind of the end of September for just a general archery elk hunt, um, in Idaho with my wife and, one of my really good friends, Tyler, uh, from Oregon. Um, but besides that, it's just mainly filming this year. I took, I took a bunch of time last year and, and hunted myself and then spent some time reflecting, um, this winter during the long, crazy cold winter we all had. And that was something that was like my main takeaway from my reflecting on last year. It was just like, you know, I filmed like four or five hunts and I was like, I want to film more. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I've been doing it for a number of years now, but I think just in this season of my life, I just still really have that, that passion is still burning pretty hot to just film as much as I can, learn as much as I can, and just keep building a, a solid foundation um, of, of work. Um, and I just, and I, I love my work. I love to work. Um, and I love the people I get to work with. So nice. Uh, where can people find your, find your work? Um, I, like I said, probably just my Instagram is a decent way. I don't update it as much as I should um, with photos, but uh, that's where you can probably see a lot of my, just like my photography, but some of my videos as well. Um, and then for a lot of my hunt films, the Go Hunt YouTube channel, the Leopold YouTube channel, um, Mountain Ops YouTube channel, um, those are those are good places to to see a lot of it. Um, 
but yeah, and then uh, also my website, um, just LukeDusenberryPhotography.com. Um, I have a hunting tab, and I have a, I think I have it fairly up to date. I probably should go check that, but um, that's where I can see like pretty much all my my hunting films on there as well. Nice. Well, thanks again. Uh, appreciate it. Um, have some have fun back east, and um, we'll talk to you later. Will do. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thanks, man.